Hey, St. Paul, welcome to season two, episode three of Mama and the Rev. Uh, I am not the mama. And I'm not the Rev. But here we are together, <laughs> uh, John and Emily Trotter, and we're glad that you're here too. Wherever you are listening uh, to our podcast, we're very glad that you are with us today. Today, I'm going to turn it over to Emily. Emily had the great opportunity, uh, and I know this is not her first time ever doing this in her life, but uh, she uh, had the uh, opportunity to preach uh, this past Sunday at um, at St. Paul. And you can go to our website or you can uh, look for our podcast under SPUMC Columbus, and it's the Worship Podcast. Look for the October 10th, 2021 uh, episode um, of all about that grace. Um, and I, I, I say she had the wonderful opportunity. I got to tell you, um, we were blessed to have her. I was not in town this weekend. And I got to tell you, Emily, I did not lose sleep this past weekend when I was away um, thinking about things that might not go right or go wrong. I really slept well, and I didn't wake up probably till about 11 in the morning on that oh, Sunday. Oh, John, that is such a compliment because I know how you worry about things. Thank <laughs> you so much. Gosh, that is high praise. No, it was a, it was definitely a blessing and a very humbling. I mean, and I, the word preach has been thrown around, and I just really feel like I don't do that. <laughs> That's such a lofty word to me so i don't ever consider what i do preaching i because well, it's I mean, just not well we talked about this just a i few don't feel qualified ago. to do that yeah it, well <laughs> we shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel that way but nonetheless there is it is a different uh process it is a different um thing that happens not only within us but in the service and to those what I gravitate towards, Emily, and, and what we were talking about earlier, I know you do also, is the instant feedback that we get and, and the puzzled looks in that you get from a Bible study that you're able to dive in and kind of steer the boat the way you want it to go right. based on the conversation and the feedback that you might get with a small group of youth or a Bible study that you might be doing on um, Titus or the names of God, which a shameless plug, Instagram <laughs> at Emily B. Trotter. You can watch her uh, study on the names of God. Yeah, you shameless can't get, plug. You can't get away from me. <laughs> She's like bad breath in the morning. I'm everywhere. She just keeps coming back. <laughs> Katie Grace got up this morning and she was literally four feet away from me. And I said, sweetheart, you got to brush your teeth. I smell it over here. <laughs> That's what I had that same conversation with Mac Trotter this morning. <laughs> They're the same age, aren't they? I, third Mac, grade? Uh, no, she's in uh, seven, or second grade. Max third. So she's uh, a year younger. But at any rate, this conversation about when you're in that small group setting, you're able to steer that bus. But with a preaching, with the preaching or the homiletics, um, it's it's a lot different because you have to imagine where the conversation would go if there is one that goes. And there's a lot for my process. I, I there's a lot of times that I'll sit and I'll just close my eyes and I'll visualize who might be there. What's going on in their life? What If what I say, um, you know, how would they react to that? What questions? What are they going? So you have to anticipate that yeah. more. You still want to get on the bus, everybody to get on that bus and you all get to the destination at the same time. But it is different. 
So yeah, preaching's different than teaching, and we were the recipients of such grace <laughs> this this past this past week because that was your sermon, right? It was on grace, right? Um, and my son, my second son, would say. I mean, afterwards, he and my mom were talking to somebody and they said, you know, Jake said, well, I mean, she didn't even say all that she had written down. <laughs> that is so true. That, that, that happens. Because and, I heard part of it and she didn't even say what she'd said to me. <laughs> but, but have you not sat in on sermons of other folks and you just felt like you were just being poured into in the sense of drinking from a fire hydrant? If you can imagine that that they were going to get through what they had planned and come hell or high water, yeah. you were going to sit and listen. There is this, this process of, man, it's not just opening up your Bible and opening up your mouth on Sunday morning and say, okay, Holy Spirit, just speak through me. There are hours and hours and hours of preparation that yeah. go into it. But at the same time on Sunday morning, you're, at least for me, I know, I know this is the case for you, is, okay, God, what do you want me to say? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not that I need something. It's just like, okay, I want you to speak through me. Change what you need to change. So you're with part of your mind, you're processing your notes and you're processing what you want to say in the trajectory. With another part of your mind, you're looking at yourself from a third point of view and you're saying, okay, God, anything you want to add here? What do I need to change? And so it's like this constant uh, movie split screen, picture in picture, if you will, that's happening, yeah. at least for me. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to to kind of let go of what you had prepared, too, because there are things that you go, oh, this is going to be so good. This is going to be such truth dropped right here, but this is going to change lives. <laughs> and you don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. And luckily, <laughs> I, luckily, I'm kind of unaware of that when I'm speaking. And I, afterwards, I always go, shoot, oh, this was so good. And I didn't even get to say it, dadgummit. Um, I can't believe I left that out. And, but, I, you know, I had to say, well, you know what? That just wasn't meant to be said right then. Emily, <laughs> you needed to let that go. And so it's kind of hard to let go of what you thought you were going to say and be willing and open to the spirit to, to move you through that speaking time in the way that he would want you to go. Um, that's interesting. And I don't know why we don't do that all the time. <laughs> Not just when we have a captive audience. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it's different too, like you saying, you know, with the conversation in a, in a group setting and whatnot, you know, because sometimes you want people to say, if you ask a question, you want the answer. Like you want people to kind of acknowledge that you're speaking to them and saying, hey, have y'all ever done this? Nod your head. Yes. You know, yeah. or, um, you know, and so we I went a couple weeks ago, um, Laura Marvettes and I went to see Jackie Hill Perry um, speak at her glory tour in Atlanta. And first of all, it was phenomenal. It was so awesome. And what I appreciated because um she is a black woman and we were at a black church in, in Atlanta and we were at St. Philip AME Church and what was so interesting they are so vocal in yeah. what they're hearing and you know 
they are very yeah come on now preach yeah, it yeah, there's some so much positive yes, feedback there's in the so midst. much and you know encouragement going and how much of that did you see on sunday when you preached <laughs> well it was my mostly my family and friends <laughs> so um you know, of course always anytime i speak i end up talking about my oldest and his brain tumor <laughs> so i apologize <laughs> but and i had to and i don't know that he's ever like been present like that when i've gone into it so i did have to go hey baby i'm sorry <laughs> hey but i mean he did you know yeah amen <laughs> he gave me a little feedback so i appreciated that <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, no, I didn't get any. I didn't get any with that. And it's hard to look over at your parents and see them both crying. Um, so that, that I was, oh, I can't look over there. Okay. <laughs> but my gosh, what the opportunity that it's not lost on me, the opportunity that St. Paul has given me to, to serve and to minister. Cause I mean, you just, I mean, and to you, this may not have been any big deal, but you asked me to help you serve communion a couple weeks ago. And that blessed me such a way that I just was unprepared for. Like, I didn't think anything about it. I was like, oh, God. I mean, I remember saying, I mean, do you have to ordain me or something over here? Do we have to go do a little service, you know, before the service so that I'm actually appropriate to do this? But, um, I mean, I didn't think anything about it, but I mean, as you're up there with the elements, you're like, oh my gosh, wow, this is, and when my mother came through the line, I thought, this is unbelievable. I am serving my mother communion, and that, that is not lost on me. That was such a blessing and such, I mean, gosh, the opportunity that I've been given. And so, yeah, thanks. Well, um, I Thanks remember- to you and Shane for- well, it's Being our pleasure. Brave. It really is. Um, we're, we're blessed beyond we could ever imagine. I remember serving communion to Katie Grace, my seven-year-old, when she was two or three. And here at St. Paul, we have this Hawaiian bread that's like 90% sugar <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the rest. I mean, it is delicious. Uh-huh. It really is. And uh, in fact, our dog Biscuit, he likes to eat bread. If there's two loaves, he will get this. <laughs> he will get the Hawaiian bread before he will get the Sarah Lee honey wheat. Yeah, you know that's right. But I'm I'm given some, and it's and and I know this this. It was just one of those moments where oh my gosh, how is not everyone responding to communion this way? I, I give her a piece, and uh, she dips it in the cup at that time before COVID, we were able to do that. And, and she takes a bite of it and she looks at me, her eyes, big blue eyes. She opens them wide and she says, Oh, that's so good. Can I have some more? (laughs) But it's this, this sacredness, it's this holiness that, Oh God, can I have some more of that, that grace? Can Mm -hmm. I have some more of that blessing? Can I have some more of that, that goodness? And, um, and I want you to share a little bit about, what you preached on Sunday in, in in the framework of something I had read this morning um, from John Eldridge in a book called um, Free to Live, The Utter Relief of Holiness. That's, that's the subtitle, The Utter Relief of Holiness. He writes, we cannot begin to truly face our lives in the light of God's goodness until we know that we are under his grace that all is forgiven. So the goodness of God must be seen and poured into the lens and the cup of grace that holds it. 
Right. Because you can't. Otherwise, it goes like sand going through your fingers. It just goes right through. You don't see it. It's not that God's grace is not there. It's not like you are not a beneficiary of God's grace. It's that you just don't recognize it. You don't see the glimpses of it. So speak on that. Well, it's infinite. It's not, there's no limit. There's, you're not allotted the, this specific amount when you're born. You don't go, okay, here's your, here's your portion. Now use it wisely. (laughs) We don't have that. We don't even have to worry that we're going to run out of it. But the whole point of my message and what I was saying was came from this book that I read called Zealous for Good Works, which was about Titus, the st- a study of Titus. And what struck me about it and, and gave me this idea that I had never even considered was when you talk about your works and and serving and being a part of the body of Christ and doing all of those things, I had never ever thought of it before as what my motivation was to do it other than God said I should do good works. Other than the Bible says, hey, you have to, you know, share the gospel and do those things. And what this book and this study kind of pointed out to me was We operate and do those things out of the abundant grace we have been shown. And the idea that I have been given this gift and all of the blessings and the goodness that I have received from God and that I am not motivated to speak and to share and to do those works and to serve and to be whatever wherever, whenever, whatever is needed in those moments to show the love of Christ, I am missing the point if I am not taking, if I am not operating out of that place. And um, it really makes it easier to jump in and do things that you're uncomfortable doing because you're like, well, I have to. I mean, I really, I don't have a choice because, I mean, I'm in debt here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In in the flow of God's grace, I I often liken it to starting at the headwaters of the Jordan River in Galilee, and then they flow down through the Sea of Galilee through the Jordan River into the Dead Sea. If there's no outlet, if they have no place to go, that grace has no place to go, something happens to our spiritual uh, demeanor that it just dies a little bit. So it's... You know, it's not like we're going to hoard it and say, oh, I need all I can get. I need it. No, it's meant to flow through us. Yeah. It's meant to, to affect our inward and outward actions. Just like Jesus saying, give us this day our daily bread and we want to grab seven loaves because we want to be prepared. Yeah. No, Jesus is laughing in the background saying, no, you just need one. Use it and let it affect you in the way that it was intended to. It's not your job to have to worry about right. tomorrow's bread. It, same with the grace. Yeah, Allow day by day. Through. Yeah, day by day. Well, and something too, where the, that water, when it starts, <laughs> I remember seeing it with you, John, going, right. that's it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, this, so is, this is the rock This that is, is where it starts? I mean, I could, <laughs> we could just put a shoe in front of it and just stop it <laughs> completely. Isn't that something? Yes, isn't that something? I mean, the fragileness of the grace, and yet at the same time, the abundance of it. Did, yeah, and did, when you travel downstream a little bit, the oh gosh, it's huge. The width and the you know, and all the things that happen along the way to it—that it you know keeps it keeps on going 
and going and going for a very dry, arid country, it it continues yeah. and it's there. And you but know, the so that is so fragile. It's so small. It's so fragile. You Do, step over it like, oh, it here like, you go. Yeah, it's exactly right. <laughs> like up in Dan step. in that area Yeah, not there, a jump. You can like, literally just kind of step over You know, it. you're not like backing up and picking a run <laughs> yeah. and start. Of course, there were some areas that were Well, there a had been rain. There had been rain that day. Did you happen to um, see William Shatner go into space? <laughs> no, but I saw his return. <laughs> you saw his return. I mean, it was eight minutes. They go up. And and so what caught me, I'm, I'm sitting in my bed last night trying to get to some get some shut eye and, and I and I and you're thinking about <laughs> William Shatner <laughs> Captain Kirk <laughs> I wish and, I could uh, do an impression of uh, him <laughs> so so uh yeah I'm 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 gonna try to reclaim what I just lost sorry there. I'm sorry um, no, it was no, funny uh, so, to me and and he's he comes out of this little capsule and and he's describing his experience and he's talking about this with tears saying you know yeah. I'm thank you for giving me this opportunity to do this and he said you know we get to this point 300,000 feet in the air that they pass through the atmosphere and and it was just like he said it was just as, as fast as you could imagine it was just like here's the blue sky and everything and then just all of a sudden you're thrust through and it's black yeah. It's dark. And you see the blue down there and black everywhere. And he was talking about it is so fragile. Here we are in and from the perspective of walking on the ground and we have no idea how fragile it is. And he said from that perspective up there, it is it was like life changing with tears in his eyes yeah. he's saying how this. emotional I mean, he was yeah come on captain kirk didn't you get all this <laughs> You've on, done this on for years. enterprise yeah. uss enterprise you know yeah. um but but it made me think when you were talking about it, it made me think of here's so many times we look at god's grace from the perspective of the ground level right you know and and it's so much bigger in that and it's so much more beautiful than we could imagine so there's moments that we have to see it yeah. As not something that's originating from within. Oh, I'm just going to be good to this person. But that the God who spoke and creation leapt into existence is the one who's speaking through us. And that's what's happening in yeah. this moment. And grace is meant to be seen from the perspective of a hungry, poor, impoverished, spiritually drought-ridden soul. Not from one that has ego, self-sufficient, indifferent, oblivious. Right. And that's when we start to see the goodness of God. Well, and this conversation that I had with one of our youth or that I'm going to have, the questions of, you know, God is so, because I was teaching their Bible study and I told them that God, I mean, I just told them what the Bible said. I just told them what he said. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. <laughs> and, you know, said that, you know, when they entered the promised land, he told them to wipe everybody out. And that they were to go in. And I said, and they're supposed to do that. They had a re- God had a reason. He wanted them to not be led astray by the things and the customs and the gods that they served, that these people served. And she just was like, I don't understand that. I don't understand how God could do that. I mean, in the Ten Commandments, he says, thou shalt not murder. And how am I supposed to reconcile that? And it is a hard question. It's so hard to understand that. But 
as I've been thinking about this for the past two days, it all comes back to this grace. Mm. And we want to have the grace. And we think that we, you know, we get to a place where we think we deserve it, where it's a, we're entitled to it because it exists. And, and, and while that is true, we have to have our perspective shifted because we also have to realize that, you know, like you had said, that God gives warning. Those were the same people. God created them too. They had the same rules to begin with that Abraham had. Everybody had the same set of rules and he had told everyone, follow me. And of course, we're humans and we make mistakes and we go astray. I'm always amazed by our uh, indignation of our, <laughs> of our getting what we deserve well, <laughs> and the consequences right. of our actions. And, and look, I mean, there, look, there are so many things, so many broad things that just cannot be answered completely they're they're answered progressively yeah as people i mean it's like when anna was seven years old and she would say okay where do babies come from the answer that we give her as a seven-year-old is different than what her professors in nursing school are giving her now right it was one wrong or right and what we believe is an is a progressive you know right. it's just and that's what god does and and kudos for this this young lady who asked the question right. because this becomes for a lot of people a reason uh, a stake in the sand that right. that prevents them from even going in or even embracing this this idea of being a disciple of following right. christ i mean this is a stumbling block for them. And it's not just um, the utter destruction. It's other things like creation or Jonah and the whale or, yeah. you know, Adam and Eve. I mean, all these things. And, and so they'll they'll try to reconcile these things. And as soon as another question comes up, they've built their faith with this house of cards and right. one or two gets pulled out and everything crumbles. Right. And so that's not the right way. I mean, well, and you know, and it is hard. That's hard to understand. I mean, I've wrestled with that for a long time over the years where I'm like, ah, this is so, there has to be something I don't know. I want well, surely there, there is. <laughs> For all of us. <laughs> There's a lot of I don't get to understand. But I, I, you know, I've come to the place where I'm like, you know, I don't understand this, but God says it. So I'm going to I have to trust him. I have to trust that this is this way for a reason. And what I've been trying to, to share with these girls that that I've that I've had is it doesn't always make sense to us. And it seems like these rules are hard or the standard. I mean, yeah, righteousness is, oh, I mean, it's a hard, right. <laughs> it's a hard thing to live up to, but we can't skip the hard parts No. in our faith. We can't skip it and gloss over it and move on because we don't want to make people uncomfortable and we don't want them to say, oh, I can't. I, I don't want to be a part of this. I yeah, mean, that and we sounds start awful. Filtering what we say. Right. I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Emily, I'm standing up on a Wednesday nights talking about Amos. Amos is like saying, hey, you guys are going to get destroyed. All this kind of crud that's going to go on. And I thought, you know, I'm, I told him, I said, you know, I read this one commentary that said um, that uh, that preachers usually don't speak about the judgment of God. 
because they're afraid of what they might feel because people don't feel good about that. Right. 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 And, I, and I and I looked at the, uh, the folks in this study and I said, you know what? I'm not here to defend God. He right. can defend himself. I'm going to just say what it says, do my best to illustrate it, praying that the Holy Spirit illuminates it in your heart. And when you look at the scripture of how it was revealed, it is all about God's grace. You, it, Wayne Cordero, in a book called The Divine Mentor, which I highly recommend, it's a really mm-hmm. great book, he writes this, but consider the grace of our God. He took about 400 of his top people and put their raw, unedited stories into a whole library of books. He gave 66 of these books, books about men and women, boys and girls, kings and slaves, soldiers and prophets, housewives and prostitutes, fishermen, and he put them into one volume. The Bible records it all, the good parts as well as the bad. God is not hiding anything. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's going to say, okay, I, I want to make sure you feel good about this. And then and at the end, wham. Wham, you? you know, it's, he, he wants, uh, invites us to struggle with this. If we have to just feel good about everything, then we're really checking our brain at the door. Yeah. He invites us to think about this. Yeah. Right? When he invites us to push back and say, now what? All through the scripture, he has allowed that to yes, happen. Yes, he allows people to, you know, say their piece and to. I mean, look, if you were God's editor when it came to the scriptures, and it, so you got a final review, and you were looking over, and says, you know, this thing that David did on the roof when you know he should have been at war, and he sends Joab, and he's looking over here at this naked yeah. woman bathing and lusting. Isn't that going to just encourage someone to do that? Yeah. You know, are you sure you want to put that in there? You know, maybe we shouldn't put that or um, all this stuff. Jonah not wanting to go to Nineveh, but he wants to go the other direction. And won't that just give people the idea of running away from you? I mean, no, it's. I mean, I would have edited it differently. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to skip Job, okay? We're going to skip that. Yes, absolutely. No one needs to know what what you allowed to happen to him. (laughs) By all intents and purposes, Emily is an upstanding, blameless man of God. And all of this crap happens to him. Yep. All this crap happens to him. And all his friends said, curse God and die. Give up. You've done something wrong. And that's where we want to Leave yeah, it. or where has that gotten you? Yeah. Where is, your, where is faith your faith in God gotten you? You still have all these things. So in those difficult moments, Emily, when how has grace brought you back into the fold? How how has an eye towards grace given you the opportunity to see the goodness of God around you? Well, this I read this quote this week. I read it a week too late, so I couldn't put it in my message. <laughs> Isn't that always how it happens, John? Um, Yep, it does. I read this great um, quote this week that talks about now, of course, I don't remember what the quote says, but um, but it talks about, you know, God didn't come so that we would have all the answers explained or that there would be no hardship. God came so that his presence would be there in those hardships. 
his presence would be there and we would see it. And and that's a little something that I talked about, you know, yeah, I have grace. I'm saved. I'm, you know, I'm saved by faith and I am going to confess <laughs> with my mouth. I've believed in my heart and I'm going to confess with my mouth what the Lord has done for me. And I have amazing blessings and goodness that has happened to me. Um, I'm very fortunate, but you know, there are bad things too, you know, and that doesn't, the grace of God does not cancel those bad things out. It doesn't mean that it's never going to, that bad things are never going to happen. I mean, my two things that I, that I talked about in my message were my oldest son has a, had a brain tumor when he was two. And, oh, and the funny thing is, and I wish that I'd realized this at the point at that on Sunday, October 10th was the day of his second surgery. So I, yeah. So 15 years ago, um, we were in the midst of all of this. So, and that was this day of his second surgery and I didn't even realize it. Um, but anyway, that's been a big thing for us. (laughs) Mm, I can't imagine. (laughs) I mean, it was 15 years ago and I think a lot of people are like, yeah, but you're, you've moved on from that. Well, no, 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 no. We still have things. If someone told you 15 years ago on October 10th that you would be preaching about this in a celebration of God's grace, 15 years later at uh, St. Paul Church, would you have believed it? I might have believed it, but I would have have thought that my point of reference would be he's been healed. Look at him. We don't even know that it happened. That was a blip on our radar. And now... I have to speak about it from a, yeah, it happened and yeah, he lived, but we still got things. It's like Jacob still has that limp. Yeah. We wrestled with God and we lost. (laughs) Still has that limp to remind him. That's right. We still have this thorn in our side. Bo's verse that he clings to is from Paul about the thorn in his side. That's his screensaver on his phone that he reminds himself all the time of, in my weakness, he is made strong. And so that is where we have had to come from and 15 years ago that I would have been standing on the belief that God will deliver us from this. We'll take the thorn out that we will, he will be completely whole and fine. And this will just be a story we tell. And that's not where we are. Um, There are, there are ramifications and side effects that the doctors told us we'd have, we were like, no, God's got this. Thanks. Yeah, but and that's and that's a beautiful thing, and I think that's a great distinction of we find ourselves in those moments trusting God. Yeah, gives us the ability to see a destination we envision, but even all through this, we know that as it's progressively revealed, that the grace has gotten us to a place where we just continually rely, no matter what the destination is. Right, right, and you know it it helps. Obviously, it all helps. And and I have to go back and say, you know, well, God, you I can't tell you how many times that I've had this argument with God. You said he would be fine. And finally, I don't know if I finally God was tired of hearing it or or if I just have gotten better at listening. He said, and he is. I said he would be fine and he is fine. He's not fine how you wanted it. But he is fine. He's exactly how I wanted it to be. This is the way that it is. And you don't understand my reasoning, but here it is how it is. And so you have to take that moment to go, oh, well, all right, fine. I guess you, I guess But even in why. this moment, you, you realize that, well, he is. He well, is fine. And I still go, but I wanted it differently. 
And God says, <laughs> "Too bad." <laughs> and God, well, and, and, but God embraces us. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't stiff arm us here. Yeah. Two of our closest friends went to college with us, and 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 we got married around the same time, and and um, uh, lived in married student housing together as our f- final years of college, and. They have a, uh, their oldest son uh, was born with um, severe uh, autism, Asperger's, combination of all of that together to the, to the point where, you know, it was hard to see tomorrow, right. let alone what's this going to be like in elementary school, junior high and high school. He since has graduated high school and what they would confess that they never imagined is that he's a missionary. Wow. Uh, around the world wow. doing gospel work. Yeah. I mean, it's, I get chill bumps thinking of that. And, and along the way, as, as I find myself pushing back and saying, but I wanted, God says, I know. Yeah. I know. I got your back. Yeah. I have you. Because we spend a lot of time thinking, you know, we have, well, not a lot of time, but we have those moments where we go, oh, my gosh. Because Bo is so gifted and he's so strong and you think, oh, if he had just been whole, if he had just, I mean, God, the things that he could have done. But it's been interesting. And this summer, it really, on the youth retreat, and I mean, even since then, the way that the Lord spoke to him and the way that the Lord used him and what a powerful testimony he has he has such a powerful testimony because he looks like, I mean, and you wouldn't know, you would, you, people don't know this about him when they, they see him. And it's funny, like somebody will say, why are you limping? And he's like, cause I had a brain tumor when I was two. Yeah. <laughs> and to watch and the, so, oh, uh, uh, no, I mean, did you, did, I didn't know if you sprained your ankle. And he was like, no, I always walk like this. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of entertaining because it doesn't bother him at all because he's he used reaction. to it. But the people go, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm I wish sorry. I had, why did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> they're so offended for them. You know, they're like, oh, I'm just, oh. You know, Bo would be a good preacher. Yeah. He would. I'm telling you, a lot of preachers are, I want you to feel good, so I'm going to say the right thing. It's kind of like what we were just saying. He's just right. going to say the way it is. Oh, no, I had a brain tumor. Yeah, no, I didn't fall. I yeah. I'm always now, don't like don't you this. feel bad yeah. about that? So, but this, you know, because he looks so normal. And I mean, here we are in today's society would say, you know, he's a white kid and upper middle class family and, you know, has all the things that any teenage boy would want. And <laughs> he's not effective. I mean, gosh. Yet he comes in and goes, oh, well, hey, guess what? I had a brain tumor when I was two and I'm, you know, pretty much paralyzed on my right side. I can't hold a pencil. I can't. I struggle to push the elevator button with this hand. You know, I can't really hold anything at all. Yeah, my right foot doesn't drop. I walk on my toe. You know, it looks like I have just this swagger, but it's really just the way that I walk. It's not to impress you. <laughs> I'm not doing this on purpose. It just it is what it is. So, I mean, that ability to say, when, and I use to my own, myself, you know, not only that, I mean, I am riddled with anxiety. <laughs> I mean, I am medicated for it. <laughs> and um, 
you know, and Sunday morning, I was like, you know, I think I had two Zoloft last night, not because I meant to, but because I was like, oh my gosh, did I take it or not? Well, I have, I can't not have taken it, so I'm just going to take another one because I'd rather be over medicated than under medicated for for tomorrow morning. So I mean, I because I would live in a downward spiral of constant, and a panic attack is not the way to live. In panic is not the way to operate. <laughs> and no, I laugh all the time anyway. It's not my medication. Because um, I really do. And I think that probably feeds into my anxiety a little bit because I'm always fine. I always seem fine and that everything is going well. And so that's this whole picture of grace of, yeah, I've got it. And I'm very blessed. And I liked that that song, um, The Goodness of God, I liked that it's running after me. Uh, Your goodness is running. It's running after me. I love to think about being hunted down by the goodness of God, (laughs) just being run over by it. And yeah, I got that. But that doesn't mean that the rest of my life is easy. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to have things that just totally derail us or these moments of in, incredible grief and um, hardship that, that you endure in whatever form it may take. So that idea that grace is, gosh, it's awesome in and of itself. But when you have things that are hard, it's even better because it allows us to really make sure that, well, it allows us to see it for what it is. It invites us to live in the reality that it's out of our control and to be okay with that. Right. When David wrote in Psalm 37 and and all through the Psalms and and even in Proverbs, when Solomon wrote, there's this cadence, this rhythm that is trust, 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 have confidence in the book of Amos and chapters, uh, chapter three, Amos is preaching to the people saying, listen, you know God has been good to you. You've experienced this. Mm. What God is telling you is, is he wants you to remember. He's not out to get you. He's not out to destroy you. He's not out to, you know, take the good things away from you. He's out to love you. And the beautiful picture of the gospel is the father and the prodigal son just waiting for his son to come home. Yeah. But most of us want to say about the father is in that prodigal son story is, okay, dad, so why did you let your son go in the first place? Why why did you let your son leave? Why couldn't you force him, lock him into his room, teach him a lesson, ground him, take things away? Why did you do that? Because the father knew to restore the relationship that had already been broken, he had to separate. The relationship to be restored had to be broken, but that didn't mean the father didn't go, didn't wait and yeah. wonder, will this be the day that he comes back? Well, because he wants us on our own. Yes. He wants us to know why we're doing it, why we're coming back, why we're doing all these things. What made you turn back? Um, it's why he gave Adam and Eve the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have been mind-numbed robots. It would be like me saying, okay, Lisa, I'm going to hold your arm behind your back and twist 
your, you know, pinch your ear until you say, yes, you'll marry me. Yeah. What kind of relationship is that? Yeah. It's not. Well, know? it's like you've said before, without the bad, we don't know the good. That's right. We have no way to measure how good things are without the bad. You have to have the good and the bad. I mean, if Adam and Eve had never been disobedient without the fall, which is, and this is so counterintuitive to say, without the fall, we wouldn't know the grace. We wouldn't need it. We wouldn't, there would be no cause for it. And gosh, isn't that in and of itself such a picture of grace? (laughs) You know, I wonder how many people just expect everything to be perfect when it comes to being a disciple, that there's not going to be any more suffering. Yeah. Where in the word of God does it promise blue skies? It doesn't. No. Even Jesus telling his disciples, you know, they're going to drag you to the magistrates. They're going to put you in chains. They hate me. They hate, they hate me. They're going to hate you. Yeah. But don't worry about what you'll say. (laughs) Okay, God, I'm not going to worry about what I'm going to say. I'm I'm probably pretty much worried about (laughs) getting dragged. I'm worried about what you said before. Yeah. This Cross is, that bridge when I get to it, Jesus. The, the, <laughs> Paul says, I want to know the suffering. Why? Because through the suffering, through the difficult times, you are given these glimpses of the resurrection. You are yeah. given these glimpses of the glory of God and the grace. And I would want folks to remember that there is not a limited quantity of grace that has been, you mentioned this earlier, that's been assigned to you, the person. It's yeah. not like you have to go to the shelf and pull it off the shelf and say, okay, this is a half a liter. I better parse this out over yeah. a week. I get a little bit of this at a time. There is abundant grace, not graciousness, not a virtue. It's bigger than that. It's it's better than that. Yeah. And even if you feel that you have exhausted it at all, there is more grace. Yeah. If you feel that God, uh, okay, God, I know I have asked for a favor or your favor. I've asked for your forgiveness for this sin that I've done over and over and over again. Oh, so many times, you know what, God, I'm not even going to ask. And so what happens is, is we imprison ourselves in this cell and we're just and and we over and over and over again hear that door clang shut. Yeah. Unbeknownst to us, unaware that the goodness of God is seen through that lens of grace. Amen. If you've never experienced that grace, that maybe for the next day or so just imagine what it would be like for you if you gravitated towards and embraced a grace that is overflowing. That's yours. A grace that carries with it the goodness of God. Maybe you're on the outside looking in and you've never really made that decision to follow God. Let me invite you to to do just that. You may not understand everything. You may not uh, have any idea about what it all means. 
But the one thing that at least take a step toward that I invite you to do is that God demonstrated his love for you, that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. What difference would that make in your life? If you'd like some more information, email us at podcast at spumcolumbus.com. And now may the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.